Clubhouse. Welcome to the True Crime TV Podcast, where our hosts cover a variety of these shows, sometimes just one episode, sometimes the whole season. Join us as we get to the bottom of the case together. This is Steph. This is Sheila. This is Colleen. And welcome back to the Pod Clubhouse coverage of The Thing About Pam. This is the NBC crime docuseries all about Pam Hupp and Betsy Ferreira. R.I.P. R.I.P. And uh, this is episode two titled She's a Helper. Seeing how Colleen and I kind of like know this whole story, um, I was really excited to talk to you tonight and get sort of like your your quick like 30,000 foot view of what you thought about this episode. You know, what can I say? Just a big old clusterfuck. Like this is disaster. Like how is this even possible? I don't understand how this guy, like it's like a team of bumbling idiots and like some clueless guy. I don't know what, why they think I did. I don't know. It's just like kind of sad to watch. Like, oh my gosh, guys. Uh, it's just, it's like when you say you see a car crash or you see something bad about to happen. You're just going to sit and watch because I feel like all the pieces are there for a really bad situation for this poor Russ guy. So, I, okay. So, Kali, what was your quick take on this, this episode? What did you think? I thought the tone was really different, which in one way was good because they're discussing the aftermath of the crime and how Betsy's daughters are feeling. But I thought it was interesting that they set up a sort of stylized vibe in the first episode. And this was much more straightforward, you know, like yeah, not right quite linear, but mm-hmm. much more linear than the first one. It felt very exposition e, like trying to get everybody caught up with what's going on. So now mm-hmm. when you say the tone sounds different to you or the tone felt different to you, the tone in the first episode was like, we, we and we even talked about it. It was like borderline, like dark comedy, like macabre, yeah. mm-hmm. like, mm-hmm. so, okay. So if you're saying like you felt this tonal shift, this one felt a little more serious, right? This was a little Definitely, more. Yes. Okay. Especially with all the scenes with Betsy's daughters. And I thought the actresses playing her daughter, playing the younger daughter especially, did really, did a really good job of kind of conveying how much their world just shattered with her mom's death and with Russ being arrested and just kind of how adrift they both must have felt. And I thought that was, she just did a really excellent job. That's a really good observation, I thought, because this, it it did feel different to me. Again, for me, this one flew by. You know, I was watching it all of a sudden. I was like, yeah, I agree. Cre- credits? Credits? Like, like a lot happened, but like a lot didn't happen at the same time compared to last episode. You know, the, the train was going off the rails the last episode with with all of the plot lines in terms of like things taking off. But this one, like I just felt like we were just settling in for the good storytelling to come. Well, at one point, I even questioned the timeline. I was like, wait, are we one day after this? Because if there's like, I wasn't quite sure how many days this episode covered with Mm -hmm. him still being detained and then letting go, letting him out and then being arrested. So, yeah, it seemed really fast because I was like, wait. Was that like yesterday that this happened? Yeah, actually, there was a moment where they're setting up the polygraph and they say the date and it was like yeah. December 28th. And I believe that's one day after the murder. I believe she, that Betsy was murdered mm-hmm. on the 27th. So like his polygraph happened within 24 hours. Yeah. Well, and I think he was still wearing the same clothing he was wearing when they took him, you know, when he Oh, when yeah, he, he definitely her. had like that Rhode Island shirt on. Sure. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. And they say later on in the episode that they interrogated him for 24 hours straight, right. which is Yeah. Oof, not yeah, that's, good. That's intense. Right, but then it was like, well, how much later is Pam meeting with the DA and all these things happening? Yeah, so it they, was it, a little it, bit fast, you're right, but I but also I was like questioning like 
how long has this been that we're doing all of these things? So, and then it felt like there was a statement to like the trials coming up soon. Yeah. Yeah. I was like, what? Well, and I feel like in the first episode, there were a lot of like, it's 702 and a lot of Keith mm-hmm. Morrison narration. And there was much less of that in this episode. Right. Yeah. Correct. And now I cannot unsee the Law and Order font. <laughs> <laughs> I definitely see that this time. And, you know, I went searching just before we came on here just to see like, you know, the thing about Pam Easter eggs and nobody's come up with that like that is not out there colleen in the google sphere all right well um, i've so watched a lot of law and order over that, the years. i mean i just want to give cred to the eagle-eyed you know reporter that you are that you saw that and you you mentioned it here because like i said like there's no other outlets so far that i've seen that have even mentioned the fact that you know they, they swiped lovingly i say swipe and it's an acronym it's like steal with pride integrity enthusiasm <laughs> um that they swipe the law and order font and uh the the shadow beveling i just thought that that was really funny that you know we picked up on that and, and it's, it's just not out there uh the one thing i want to say about this episode for me is that and it's, it's a little bit of a criticism and it might be a little nitpicky but renee zellweger's prosthetics are getting in the way um, a little bit, yeah. A little bit, because, I don't know, it felt a little distracting to me. And, like, there were so many, like, bombshells going off in this episode that I didn't want to be distracted by it. But, like, because it doesn't always look the same. Yeah. Like, in different scenes, like, her nose looks flatter versus, you know, more rounded. And I was just like, I, like I said, it feels really nitpicky, but, like, I do feel it's distracting. I need to get past it is really what it comes well, down to. And that's the problem with choosing to cast Renee Zellweger because those prosthetics are pretty much single use, I think. And they do their very best to, you know, match time shot to shot. But as they're shooting, you know, things change and shift and are painted a little bit differently. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's the downside of somebody wearing a bunch of prosthetics. It really helps to have a costume designer or someone who's like, you know, knows all the behind the scenes right? and can feed my neuroses. <laughs> <laughs> yes, well, I am definitely not a makeup person, but I have watched a lot of face off and have been backstage for some of this stuff. So, yeah, I mean, I feel like her slurping on all those slurpees or whatever she's drinking, those big yeah. sodas, yeah. Um, you know, is going to you know, move the prosthetic. It's the nose. Really, it's her nose. Like, I can deal with everything else. It's the nose because it does look different in different lights. Like, the shape of it changes at, at, hmm. at one point during this episode, especially when she's talking to the cops with Mark, her husband. Yeah. For mm-hmm. me, I was just, I couldn't stop staring at her nose. And I know that that's not what they intended. And I feel so shallow even saying. <laughs> but, you know, here we are. <laughs> Indeed. All right, so let's let's dive in because again, I can't wait to hear like all of Steph's like <laughs> head explosions happening here because there was just a lot. There was a lot going on. So um, let's start with Joel. So we get Joel Schwartz's entrance here, and for me, it was everything that I hoped it yeah, would be and more. That. So what did you guys think? I thought it was really fun to watch. I like how he just sort of rolls into town and is like. It's just his swagger, you know, like he has his guitar on his back and he's like making jokes about the Green Acres and the guy's like, wait, you want me to look into another hotel? I don't know. I just thought his like demeanor, his presence was entertaining. And I like that he he's like a man with a plan. Like he comes in and he's like, okay, here's what's going to happen. We need this. We need this. We need this. 
And I like that too, like this banter back and forth with the DA, Leah Askey, like he's likes to show up at her office and then she's sort of mocking him for his pink pocket square. And I don't know, it's just kind of like a, what would you call it? Like a battle of the egos, I guess, or whatever. But he doesn't seem egotistical. Like he doesn't seem like he's all about himself, that he just kind of has a like a solid head on his shoulders like this doesn't make, this does not add up this does not make sense and we're gonna figure it out but interesting to me too at the beginning he sort of seemed already decided that it was the husband as well just based on his past experience yeah he even mentioned statistics yeah, yeah. but i thought they did a good job of giving us several beats where he's like assessing russ and assessing mm-hmm. the story and you see i thought they did a good job of showing his change from I 100% think this guy did it because statistics, because his experience to looking at the receipts and trying to get information out of the cops. And then he's like, "Ugh, something might be wrong here, too. No, I think this guy didn't actually do it. And that beat Mm -hmm. with Russ on the phone at the end where he's like, uh, what is it? He said, we have the benefit of something I don't always have or something I very rarely have. Right. The truth, truth, you know. Yeah. I liked that line, too. I thought that was a good addition. Like, I think, too, like, Russ at the beginning was like, wait, you don't believe me? Or, like, isn't that part of the thing? I'm like, no, the lawyer doesn't technically have to be on your side. But I liked that assurance at the end that, like, okay, now I really do believe you. Like, that would have made me feel a lot better (laughs) if my lawyer actually believed me. What about you, Colleen? What was your take on Joel? I thought he did a great job. And I also liked that... The assistant seemed to be getting more comfortable with him as the course of the um, episode went on and just they both kind of really got the lay of the land and kind of settled into the story and settled into the town. I also like the fact that he brought Nate with him. I I don't know where Nate came from. I I get Mm -hmm. the feeling they kind of just met each other. And Nate, this is his first murder case, he says. But he's a good investigator. And I think like once he got past working with Joel, the number two defense attorney in St. Louis, right? Uh, (laughs) That little line from Leah, that little dig. But I think once Nate got into his groove and started really uncovering the evidence and trying to put two and two together the what he's looking at two and two makes five and his world like no no two and two needs to make four so they're trying to make sense of all the evidence and for me the entrance of joel the entrance of nate really started to shine a brighter light on the incompetence of the da mm-hmm. and the cops uh-huh. I, I felt like yeah. that that friction that was evidenced so much in this episode especially between leah and joel more just because leah was just being a dick yeah. <laughs> i mean i really don't have any other way to kind of sugarcoat it But it just really, that friction just shined a light on how badly the cops in the DA's office were handling this investigation. Mm -hmm. You know, just case in point, when Leah was talking to Joel about the phone and she's like, oh, well, you can request it. And he's like, uh, no, that's that has to come from your office. He's he's showing the fact that she has no experience in this arena and he's not intentionally trying to do it. But it's just by him asking his normal questions in in discovery that it's all coming out. And it's just like. At the end of it, you're just kind of like, there's a man in jail right now, and these people are just screwing up left, right, and center any chance of this guy ever seeing the light of day again. Mm-hmm. Oh, I enjoyed, too, the um, like watching Joel and Nate, like you said, sort of get to know each other, and then this little banter come. And though I sort of found myself like giggling at the little names that they came up with. They're like, kept saying murder slippers, and for some reason, I just <laughs> thought that was funny. I'm like... <laughs> like murder slippers and so they're like and then he like carried the murder slippers to the thing and I'm like 
and then there was like sock gloves or something and they're yeah. like yeah put, yeah and they're making the little hand motions <laughs> it was like just making me laugh i'm like oh my gosh like i don't know i feel like i need a pair of slippers that i could just call my murder slippers or something. i've got some slippers on right now i hope they're not yeah. murder slippers but um it just made me laugh like the things that they were and then he was like singing a song like making up as uh nate was so and then oh, this happened and she she's like, sued for palsy yeah. <laughs> and then a file cabin fell on her head. Now she's ballsy. That seems ballsy. <laughs> <laughs> well, and just narratively just like, speaking, that's a really good way to get information to the audience. Have, yeah. Having the two of them tell each other the information tells it to the audience. You're right. So that's yeah. a good kind of narrative without having more entertaining than having yeah. to watch them read files and exactly you know. yeah. yeah so it's less of a lecture and definitely more of a, a, wait did he just say ballsy yeah <laughs> and rate may that rhyme with palsy. <laughs> I'm sorry. This is this is going to sound really. Uh, I guess I'm really shallow today. I don't know. But when Joel makes his entrance and Leah's watching him and and Tina, her her assistant, is there. Mm-hmm. Is Tina looking at him like he's a snack? I don't know. She's got this look on I her mean, face, and she's just like, mm-hmm. who wouldn't look at Joel, Josh Jamal like a snack? Yeah, exactly. But yeah, just this is yeah. where you can really see where Leah's kind of the intimidation factor. I feel for her mm-hmm. is now ratcheted up because now like here he is he's here and he starts asking questions right off the bat and she seems i don't know she seems a little frazzled to me yeah they kind of whisper like leah and tina kind of whisper together like oh he knows what he's doing like you know it's like they're like oh gosh like recognizing off the bat that he's kind of got it together more than they do so i have a question when nate and Joel are looking over the the photos and they're talking about the murder slippers and the murder sock <laughs> and the smear right um, mm-hmm. on the the light switch. They're talking about the pictures and then the number of stab wounds and based on I guess the depth, the blood loss, the what did he say? The size of the wounds and the depth of the wounds depth, yeah. were mm-hmm. identical on so many of the dozens of stab wounds. That it was made to look like a frenzy, but it was quite methodical. Yes, I picked up on that too. I thought that was a really interesting detail to make us question, could this have been Russ? Is Russ the kind of frenzy type? Like who would be frenzied versus methodical? Right. Right. So to me, I would think that Russ would be more in the frenzy and would be the one to like make mistakes in cleaning up. Because if it's a crime of passion, you're not you know, in your right mind. But Mm. if it's methodical, that to me signals something much more sinister, much more of a sociopathic tendency. As the person who doesn't know what evidence comes to light later, I am very confused as to where all the blood is. I don't understand. Even if it was Pam, which like, where did she stab her? Where? Yeah, they did say she took two showers. Right. Right. But wouldn't it be all over the floor? Like, wouldn't it be splat? Like, Sort of logistically, I'm thinking, okay, I need to know more about how this got covered up and how Pam, you know, like actually yeah. did it. Because that's sort Wait, of a huge... We're two episodes in and you don't think Russ did it? <laughs> I don't. <laughs> <laughs> I don't. Uh, so, yeah, that part is very interesting. I'm like, okay, a huge circle in my notes. Like, where'd all the blood go? So I can't wait to find out more about that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I I have like so many questions too about that because like, I mean, yeah, I listened to the podcast all those years ago, but now it's just like, yeah, it's three years and a lot's happened in the meantime. But, you know, in terms of like the luminol photos, not the camera wasn't working and all these other things, like, couldn't they go back? Like, couldn't they get the camera working and go back? It's only been like two days or three days in their timeline. Couldn't they go back? 
I think once you spray luminol, you've destroyed, like, you oh, can't. Oh, it degrades? It degrades, like, or oh. the luminol, like, spreads it around or blends with it or something like mm. that. Like, I think oh. once you've sprayed the luminol, and my understanding also is that it's not like in CSI where it, like, lights up the whole room. I think it's a relatively quick, like, no, you've got one shot oh. to get it in terms of getting the photo or getting the evidence. Oh, okay. Well, that answers that question. Yeah. I'm so glad you know all this, Colleen. <laughs> we did uh just a side note we did um a couple of rounds of trivia last year like remote zoom trivia yes and um one of the ones that we did so we did it as a team and colleen was kind of like the game master for us and um one of them was on true crime and it was colleen or my, my older sister and maybe my friend laura yeah or carol one and of them. yeah i think it was carol myself laura and your sister and the amount steph of mm-hmm. knowledge that these women had about <laughs> luminol, about, you know, fingerprint identification. Uh, th- there was a depth of knowledge that I was just like, whoa. It's probably <laughs> disconcerting. Was it like trivia among yourselves or you guys were a team like in a no, trivia d- Yeah, we during, were a team. Yeah, go ahead. During the lockdown, mm-hmm. a gentleman who does um, bar trivia on at a couple of bars in like Brooklyn took to doing it online. Oh, so cool. you could sign okay. up and you would submit a Google form with your answers and then you would oh, say, okay. you know, like which team got the most right answers the next day. Okay, so. cool. But yeah, so the the uh, the amount of uh, on your team, (laughs) yeah, and you know, on your side, if God forbid you're ever in a respiria situation, (laughs) like I'm gonna need to call my new friend Colleen. At least he finally got a lawyer. I know, right? Oh gosh. Oh, and how that that all happened was horrendous. I know. I felt like he was still wearing the same shirt. Yeah, I'm gonna say, was that like an hour later? Well, he was in an undershirt, so I think he was supposed to have just gotten up. Oh, I wanted to backtrack for a second. We kind of got sidelined. How would Joel and Nate know that Pam took two showers? That was just an odd detail that I was like, hmm. Oh, you're right. How would they know that? Because they didn't have the notes from the DA yet, correct? Maybe they had her text messages or something? Mm. Well, they said that the uh, all the information they got from her cell phone was garbage. So maybe yeah, she said right. something to the cops. Like maybe when she was interviewed the first, I might have to go back and watch episode one now. She might have told the cops that like when she got home, she took a shower, you know, da, 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 oh, how yeah. she talks. And then when the cops went to go see her the following morning, she had just gotten out of the shower because remember her hair was all wet. Yeah. yeah. Hmm. So maybe, maybe I might have to go back and just watch that just to satisfy hmm. my own curiosity. Yeah, no, I don't. I unfortunately don't remember what they said. So I have another question about Joel and Nate. So Nate is the kind of researcher that like you definitely you want on your team as well. Mm -hmm. He finds like some old dirt. Let's talk about this high school yearbook that they find and they find out that Leah went to school with the judge. So they find out the judge is Judge Minnemeyer and that she played baritone in the marching band and (laughs) Leah was in the marching band as well. Yay, marching band. I like how they show the person and then sort of overlay this like flashback of her like holding the, you know, that was really well done. I was like, I love that. Yeah. So you have no doubt in your mind who they're talking about. Mm -hmm. Obviously, this has to frame how Joel is going to attack this now, knowing that sort of everybody in this town is in bed with one another in some way, shape or form. Not maybe literally with Leah and that captain, because there's there's definitely something going on there. Yes, they are definitely hinting at something happening. Yeah. So, yeah, it's just for me, it's just like another battle that he has to face of just dealing with this town and they're so tight knit and they all know each other. 
it's just going to be interesting to see how he's going to try to overcome some of these biases that are, I feel are like going to be inherent in mm-hmm. the case. Well, this is the first time it ever crossed my mind to think, you know, you're entitled to a trial by a jury of your peers. Mm-hmm. This is the only time I've ever thought, maybe that's not a good thing, that they're my peers. <laughs> like, maybe mm-hmm. that's bad. I know it's so, supposed to be an unbiased jury, and there's pla- there's things in place to make sure they don't know who you are and all that. But really, in a small town, can that even really happen? I live in Houston, so yeah, I, c- I probably can get an unbiased jury who doesn't know who I am. But can that happen in the small town where I'm from? Somebody well, has to know your mom or your grandma or your... I mean, that's you know. why they occasionally will move trials to different yeah. jurisdictions, but... I don't know if they asked to do that in this one and because uh, I, I think they it might have. be up to the judge. I don't know. Oh. I, I don't know who decides whether you can do that or not. This is the first time that ever crossed my mind. Like, oh, my gosh, like maybe you don't want a jury of your peers. No, in a small town like that, no. especially, you know, like the judge went to high school with the prosecutor and the no. jurors in the bar with everybody like not good. No. So shifting over to Leah a little bit more. What did you think about the interaction that Leah had with, I'm going to say, with Betsy's mom and with Pam? And I'm going to frame it in the sense that I thought that Leah was so much more compassionate with Pam than with the victim's mother. Did you guys see that? Did you hear that anything? Did you hear pick up on any of those cues? I didn't so much. I just thought it was more Pam inserts herself into things more than Betsy's mom seems to do. I would like, say that I like, picked up on it. Like, I thought that she was super rude to Betsy's mom when she was just calling, like, okay, Janet, I'll let you know. Gotta like, go. What? Bye. Yeah, I mean, you she know, very like, short on the like, phone. Yeah. Yeah. And then when Pam comes into the office, it's like, oh, you've been through so much. <laughs> and then, like, they have this what? instant rapport, like, but Zumba, Wednesday, Zumba. Friday, Tuesday, Thursday. There's this entire, like, rapport that they get settled with. And I, I just feel like it comes down to the fact that, like, Pam is going to serve Leah's case. Mm-hmm. And then Betsy, like, that's what I thought. That's what I took from it was that Betsy's mom is sort of somebody that she has to deal with. But Pam, Pam is going to be her star witness, I feel. Right. And she's setting her up to be because, you know, Pam even said, like, I know everything. I know everything about their marriage. You know, I'm I'm the one that you want to talk to. Well, in the show, the writers or the actual details of the case took the time to point out that Leah was like, uh, I can't lose, you know, my first murder case after they just elected me. So just to your point, Sheila, like she's definitely not interested in anything that's not going to help her win this case. So she doesn't have time for Janet <laughs> because that's not helpful. And she, it almost sounds like she doesn't want to bother herself with even getting the discovery evidence for Pam's cell phone. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. what what ends up coming out of that investigation, Nate even says, he goes, it's just totally thousands of pages of garbage. So she yeah. didn't even order the mapping of her cell phone correctly. So I think you're right. I think that's what it is. Like, she's not going to let anything get in the way of her solving this case and winning this case. I don't think she cares about solving it. I think she just wants to win. It's never yeah. for I don't think for her. I don't think it's ever about the victim. I think it's more about how she looks. Well, and I think that would also play to a commentary on on the justice system when you're an elected prosecutor you have to be concerned with your win-loss record for when you run for re-election so you sort of would naturally be more concerned with do i win the case or not win the case and so that's sort of a, a larger commentary on our justice system you know, like I said last week, I was doing um, jury duty for a month. I was in grand jury. And this is, you know, you see the evidence before it goes to a trial. So it's like, do we have enough to indict this person? And there was two instances where the defendant in the case 
came in to give testimony, which is not highly irregular, but it's definitely not the norm. So I got 45 cases that we heard. I only heard from two defendants. And it's a lot harder to make a decision about evidence when you actually see a person than if it's stale and if it's just, you know, somebody presenting, here's a cell phone record, here's, you know, a photo of the intersection or whatever it ended up being. It's a lot harder when you have to see the person in front of you. So it's a weird situation like our justice system because so much of it happens in a vacuum. Right. So mm. it, it's mm-hmm. hard. It's much harder when you have to see the person and, and their family and, and anything else that has to go on around a trial. So like for me, I was grateful that it was grand jury because like I could not sit through a jury trial. If it's just one thing and person's freedom hung in the balance. I'm like, this is just enough to go to trial. Like I can do that. Or, or I, I'd say most of the things that we heard were probably going to be plea deals for less time. But there was a few that were definitely going to go to trial. But it's it is, Colleen, you're right. It is a reflection of the criminal justice system because it it is about the win-loss. It's never really about the true justice of it because someone always has an agenda. Yeah. Well, and she says, you're going to make me go to trial with this. Why haven't you gotten a confession? Yeah. And she's just belittling the team that's supposed to be helping her gather the evidence. So they're incentivized to not look at anybody else. They're incentivized to just continue working on Russ. Mm -hmm. And she even has this moment with the captain, right? Where he's like, do you want us to widen the net for more suspects? And she goes, why? And I'm sitting there, I'm like, isn't that professional negligence? You're dismissing an entire segment of the population who could have been responsible for this. But she just, you know, she's just got her sights set on the the statistic and the slam dunk in her mind. I just feel like there's like a professional negligence here that she's going down a slippery slope. So I have a question about Russ. He was polygraphed the next day, like we said earlier, because the person administering the polygraph test, he says, you know, today is December 28th, which is the day after. But at the end of the polygraph test, did you did you see him clutzing with the machine a little bit? Mm-hmm. I don't know about you guys, but I took that to be that something malfunctioned with the machine. Did you guys get that sense? Yeah, I mean, I wasn't sure what was happening. And especially since they, you know, Russ did the little double take of like, huh? Well, and they only asked him like three questions. So I was sort of questioning how seriously they were taking it, like whether they would believe whatever results he gave, you know, whether he, whether the results said he was truthful or not. I looked at it as they were sort of doing it as a formality because they were going to tell him he failed no matter what. Oh. As an interrogation technique. That's interesting. Also, he was sweating so much, you know, maybe he would look deceptive. (laughs) That was a lot of sweat. It's been a long night. (laughs) It had been a long night. Yeah. I mean, I've never been questioned for murder, but I have a feeling that I would be sweating bullets myself if someone was... I was going to say, I don't think I would pass the polygraph test about any, like, fact of my life that was true. Like, like, is your child's name Luke? Um, Sure. Uh, No. I don't know. Is your birthday yeah. in April? Sure. <laughs> Whatever. <Yep>. No. <laughs> yeah, I'd, I'd probably fail 100% too. But Colleen, that's I think... A, that's what I look like anytime I have to take any test. Like, I'm just like... Ah, <laughs> like in headlights, like, right? Yeah. Like, so a polygraph is probably not going to work well for me, but... <laughs> <laughs> but Colleen, I really like your theory that they were probably just doing this as lip service because I feel like you're right. I feel like there would have been so much more of a scene around yeah. the polygraph. I'm not going to chalk that up to just editing. I think you have a really good point there. 
Because it was literally like three questions, wasn't it? It was, you know, did you kill her? Do you know who killed her? Is your name? And that was it. And I think I think even the actor looked a little surprised when he was like, oh, well, that's it now. (laughs) Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then it's sort of at the same time that he's being polygraphed, his stepdaughter. I just felt so awful for her. She's trying to come in and see her dad. And she's just ignored. They walk right past her. They just, you know, she doesn't even exist. Any scene with the daughters definitely was making me super sad. I can't believe they went back to the house. I can't believe they were even allowed to go back to the house. Well, I guess oh. once it was completely searched the, oh, the, the second time. Um, Somebody I guess... should have stepped in and said, that's not a good idea. Like you don't like the grandma or even Pam or somebody, you know, like someone who cares about them. Like, please don't go there. Right. Yeah, but they needed to get their stuff. And, mm. you know, like, I don't know that if I somebody said, OK, well, you can't go in your house anymore. You know, what would you do? You would need to go back. Yeah, I guess. I just don't feel, I mean, as like. Sort but of, no, in the story, nobody seems to be looking out for those yes. girls. As, as much as Grandma Janet is trying to, at the same time, she's grieving the loss of her daughter. Yeah. So she may not even be thinking all those steps ahead, like they're going to go get their stuff. But, oh, my God, there's blood on the floor. Yeah. You know? Exactly. That's and nobody would like, have... They shouldn't see that. No. Right. They, just, they, in a perfect world, somebody would yeah. have tidied up or gotten rid of things before they went back in there. I just felt so bad for them. And I just think that these two actresses are doing such a good job portraying these daughters in this. They're really the ones who remind us that this is a human story mm-hmm. because like, so I feel like so much of it is lost in the fantastical bonkerness of, of Pam and, and all of her <laughs> shenanigans. So having them there is a really important reminder that this is a real story and there was real, there's a real victim because it does, it does, it does run away with the sensationalism really fast. And I guess the actress who plays the older daughter is just really amazing because I feel her anger and like hatred for this man. Like, what is going on? It just it takes me aback. Like, it makes me sort of like, oh, my gosh, like what? Why does she hate him so much? Just the way she's just like talking about him. And she's doing a really good job of portraying that she hates him. <laughs> well, it's such a hard time because you so butt heads with your parents when you're that age and you sort of assume you're going to have time to make it up. And this cataclysmic event has happened in their lives yeah so from what we gather the only issue between her and russ her stepdad is he called her a name and he chased her boyfriend out with a bat is that like the gist? you know what i'm saying it just feels like there's something else there so i'm trying to decide is there more of a history but or does it not matter the storyline you know it feels heavy from her yeah definitely but i think it was also a really good introduction for more character development of russ it's like well, yeah. we, need to, we need to get some more on him because now we're, we're pitying him right because now he's he's in jail he's been remanded because he's not out on bail these little nuggets now are, are reminders of the person that he was prior to this yeah good bad or indifferent but we're we're, de- we're definitely getting some of that that's a really good segue into Pam because like I wanted to talk about we got to get talking about Pam here. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this conversation that Pam has with Lily begs the question for me. It's like, well, if you have more stories about Russ, Miss Pam, then you saw him more than three times in 10 years because she tells a story mm-hmm. about. Yep. Right. You know, 100%. the directions and whatever, whatever the story is. But it's just yeah. it's just reminding me that she's really good at lying. Yeah, it's definitely starting to feel like everything she says is a lie. The things she's saying to the different people, the daughter and the Betsy's mom and then the D, it's like, what? 
Well, and it's clear she's not truthful with anybody Mm -hmm. because her husband says to her, oh, you know, what about your disability money? And she goes, oh, well, I don't get that anymore. And that's clearly news to him. (laughs) And so. Yeah, but she prefaced it by saying, I told you, which is, you know, wife speak for like, "Mm -hmm. maybe he didn't ever have to hear this before. (laughs) (laughs) I told you. Don't you remember? I know. I do that all the time. (laughs) I do that with my husband, too. I'm like, I told you that. And he's like, you did? I'm like, "Mm mm-hmm. (laughs) <laughs> sure did you were asleep on the couch but i told you <laughs> you may not have been listening air. exactly you might not have been conscious but i told right. you <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> oh my god we're giving up more secrets i gave up my sneaky oh, sorry. Sorry, sorry, sorry. that's okay it's okay it did some yeah. so this conversation that pam is having with lily with betsy's daughter and janet is there for me though this is really turning a tide for how janet is reacting to Russ because at first she was all like, oh, there's no way he could have done this. And now there's like a shift. And I feel like Pam's influence is affecting Janet's view of Russ. Is that a fair statement? Yes, definitely. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. I was hoping I wasn't reading too much into it because like if, I thought it was just like shell shock at first from Janet. And then the more I thought about it, I was like, no, I said, I really feel like this is Pam bamboozling really like you know just browbeatings i guess is the the better word for it like just browbeating the fact that russ is a bad guy and she has all this story you know storied information to share well and then you see her bring up the life insurance and janet says oh you know i'll i'll handle that for you and pam goes oh no no i'll deal with it the life insurance so they dropped the life because i I figured we'd segue that way because they dropped the life insurance a couple of times over the course of the uh, before the end kind of the big bombshell yeah let's just talk about the life insurance all right staff tell me what'd you think i still can't make sense of it like why you would make pam your benefit like how did that come about like how did that conversation even come up between betsy and pam and then wouldn't it betsy's mom have something to do with the life insurance payout instead of her friend so that seems really fishy but I thought you know and then Janet made a point to say well yeah Russ I guess that makes sense like Russ wasn't good with money it's like okay that might be true but I don't know I'm probably still gonna go to my mom for my life insurance then even if we don't have you know I don't know it it seemed like they Betsy and her mom had a good relationship so that's very questionable to me but I really like, too, how the two different sides of the, the lawyer, you know, the de- mm-hmm. the defense is like, okay, well, this proves motive for Pam. And then the DA is like, oh, the, well, this proves that she couldn't trust Russ. I'm like, um, what? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> two different uh, sides of the same coin. And then the cop was saying, if that's not out of your accounts by the trial, then uh, Pam is saying, oh, well, it will be. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so when did that happen, though? Because was that after she... I mean, that, that's why I'm confused on the timeline. Oh, and you know what? She's wearing, like, capris and a short yeah. sleeve shirt in that scene, as opposed mm-hmm. to right after the murder, which is which December. took place right at right yeah. on Christmas. So, yeah, they could have been... I think they could have been a little more clear with the timeline. Because, yeah, the lawyers are talking about, like, we're close to trial. I think, or the cops said it. I think the cops said that we're, you know, getting close to the trial. But Pam has this way of, I think, Colleen, I think you might have said it before, like inserting herself. Mm-hmm. So she's having this conversation with the cops, like she's offering them cookies. So back, you know, back in the timeline, right after this all happened, the cops were talking to her and Mark again. But he, the cops come over to talk to Mark, but she took over the conversation. Yeah, for sure. And like telling him, like, tell him this and tell him that. Because they kept saying, you don't really need to be here. Yeah. 
And then she brings up this letter again, like the game that Russ was playing about the the pilla. She kept saying the pilla. The pilla. (laughs) Like, I don't know. I don't know if any Missourians to say pilla. (laughs) I want the cops to ask Russ about that. Like, I want to see his reaction to that story because I don't feel like that's true. I'm pretty sure that's not true, but I also yeah. want to know why nobody looked at her and was like, what? Really? That is yeah, like, the no most bizarre thing I've ever heard. Yeah, nobody is quest- nobody is questioning Pam. Like, where would you have got, like, what? That doesn't yeah. sound believable. And nobody is questioning her at all. I agree. That's something I would go to Russ and say, excuse me, can you explain this situation? <laughs> like, what? <laughs> That conversation then that we touched on a little bit about the disability money. So this question, like she's having this conversation with Mark about money. So they flip houses, right? So she said this a couple of times that, you know, the, the interest, the intro in the first episode, this fantastical intro that she does this very like scripted montage. They talk about flipping houses. And yet, when was this happening? 2011? So yeah, we we're mm-hmm. still in like, you know, I guess we're coming out of like that 2008, 2009 recession. Mm-hmm. You know, you're you're in a lucrative kind of a business. How are you behind on mortgage payments with when you have stacks of cash all over your house? Remember the drawer mm-hmm. right, with yeah. the comb, right? So how are you behind? I mean, like I I I don't know how much is it, what, a stack is like a thousand dollars, I guess, of twenties or a hundred. I think it's a hundred. It's I think it's a thousand dollars in those stacks, right? It's a hundred hundreds. So like, yeah, how do that you definitely have seems like she's Sheila. not good with money. <laughs> <laughs> I have a search history stuff I don't want to tell you about. <laughs> <laughs> uh, oh my um, you know, just to go back to that question before that you had stuff like, why would you bring in a non-family member, a friend to, to handle this? I'm going to bring you back to the scene in 2007 where Betsy is DJing Sarah's wedding. Pam's daughter. Okay. And, I was wondering why they showed me that. So why? And they... I'm sitting there and I'm like, why would they show this? Like, well, okay, yeah, I'd like I understand. Like, you want to show Betsy, you want to show like their friendship, but I'm like, holy cow! I'm like, I got so much out of this scene when I started thinking about how do you get someone to sign over your life insurance as a beneficiary to you? This was a slick, narcissistic sociopath doing their best bullying skills on display. Yeah, because she brought it up so publicly. So then Betsy being nice is like, oh, it'll be on me. So she gets out of having to pay Betsy. And how many how many other vendors did she do that to for the wedding? You know, like, or how many other scams did she run? Exactly. So that's why I was just like, I was looking at this from that angle going, why would they put this here next to this juxtaposition of how do you get someone to sign over your life insurance to them? I saw how Pam would have been able to get Betsy to basically sign this. And like, and who's got the time two days before Christmas to be signing life insurance policies? I don't know about you two, but I am frantically, I am like the family from Home Alone running around (laughs) on December 23rd. So that is what it said, right? It said four days before the murder. Four days before she died. Okay. I thought that's what it said, but I was... It was also a little unclear. That's also assuming that Betsy signed it and it wasn't just forged. Oh, that's Ooh. a good point. Too. Dun, dun, dun. <laughs> <laughs> but then there's like notaries involved. I don't yeah. Know. yeah, maybe. So yeah. again, I'm sorry, but like back to the wedding, is that just showing that for so long, Pam has just been that like voice of like, I do this for you and you 
like you don't have why why was her pointing out that betsy didn't have any money or wasn't good with money I, i'm still a little lost on how that i think it was just pointing out that pam kind of manipulated betsy for just years manipulates her okay yeah and like takes advantage takes it's advantage like, take of it betsy's. a long time to yeah like takes advantage of betsy's good nature the whole like i don't want to leave my mom's house like no i'm gonna come get you like that seemed manipulative and like bullying like i don't want to go with you but like you i drove all this way right like i'm you know, here we gotta do weird. it weird so if she spent a long time like doing this to betsy over and over about every little thing then betsy's just become accustomed to giving pam her way right like yeah. it's easier to just cave mm-hmm and, you know, you can almost see how the conversation played out. You, well, you know that Russ isn't good with money, and I'm going to be around to take care of your girls. I like how you impersonate her voice. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. I'm trying. I'm trying. But I can just see how that whole conversation went about. And, I mean, I like the idea, Colleen, that it could be a forged signature, but I could also see, from at least from this wedding scene, that Pam is an artful manipulator and is basically going to get her way no matter what. Yeah. That's why I called her That's a, narcissist, a, good point. Yeah. a narcissistic sociopathic. I just feel like she's definitely got the traits to railroad just anybody in her, mm-hmm. in her path. And I like, Colleen, what you said, too, about, like, how many other vendors did she do this to at the wedding? Like, I didn't even, like, consider that part, that she probably made money off of the wedding, saying, oh, if you do this for me, like, I promise to, you know, feed you whoever, you know, is going to buy their flowers from you or whatever it ended up being. Well, and that we saw Pam and even even Betsy's sister, Tammy, like, on the phone and just everyone spreading the rumors and adding to the story. And that was a good part of this this story on this episode was just seeing that everyone's in on it and talking about it and spreading lies. And I like what our narrator said, Keith Morrison, about, like, you know, you're casting a line, fishing for evidence or whatever, but you're weaving this, like, net. of uh, That was the way he said it. I can't, I didn't write it down word for word, but that was a really interesting comment. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so that's actually a really good setup, Steph, for just how this episode ends. Yeah. This scene in the bar where Leah is celebrating knowing that she's going to get her indictment and all of the people who are there to support her and like this role that they play. We saw juror number two. We saw the judge, the, the captain, right? Everybody's there. Yeah. And it just goes back to this point that was made earlier. Is Russ going to get a fair trial if all of these people are out there to support Leah? Yep. I, w- like I wonder it. if we'll get the trial in the next episode. There's a lot. Again, there's a, there's a, there's a lot to this story. Right. There's still a lot yeah. more to come. Uh, yeah, I know. Yeah. And we're um, only, what, six episodes in this series, right? So yeah. they have six. to get, they have to cover a lot of ground. Yeah. Quickly. We're a third of the way yeah. through. Yeah. Yeah. Interesting. So I, I just, I know. yeah, I know. <gasps> well, because when you listen to the podcast, like, like when you listen to the Dateline, the thing about Pam podcast, you know, it stops at like the, I guess around 2016 or so. Oh. More stuff happened after that. Really? <laughs> yeah. You guys, so like, I, you know, we talked about last podcast is that I don't know what's happening and I'm trying really hard to, to not find out, but it is getting harder and harder not to Google this. I'm telling it, it you. It really like, is. I really want to know. And I'm like, Ugh. But I want to watch this with fresh eyes because yeah. it's exciting. But I'm, like, dying to, like, just dive in and, like, find the podcast. And, uh, well, at least tomorrow night you can me. watch uh, episode three. <laughs> yeah, I know. I'm definitely going to be catching up on that. But it's just, I really want to Google it now. <laughs> Before we end tonight's podcast, I wanted to, I wanted to bring up this comment. So we meet Pam's mom. 
for like mm-hmm. a hot <laughs> sec. I cannot let this woman go. She, oh, oh she my God. Awesome. She makes this comment about, because Pam is there and she's talking about the money that she, she got the life insurance money and she was on uh-huh. the phone with the guy and he remembered me from my time where you had the disability. Yes, how's Mark? Right, exactly. <laughs> and Mark um, was like, oh, that's lovely. Oh, that's lovely. Yeah, that's really nice. <laughs> and then she makes this comment about how like Pam is going to use that money now to get the facelift. <laughs> I... I died. Okay, maybe it's not the most appropriate. I thought it was hilarious. Yes. You know, you get me. But I just thought that was really funny because, and and it also is another little hint and inkling into how Pam became the way that she is and how she treats her daughter mm-hmm. as opposed to her son. Like, I feel like the treatment that Pam got is much what she gives to her poor daughter. And we only saw it like very briefly in the first episode. And then at the wedding, she's mm-hmm. mortifying her poor daughter at her own wedding. Oh my god! I know but that I, was awful. That was, <laughs> She's like, "I'm sorry, Betsy. Sorry for what? Oh my god! Just horrendous." Yeah, so Steph, awesome. stay, stay, stay golden. Don't, I'm don't trying, Google I'm it. Trying. Don't, don't Google it. Just Hold stay strong. strong. <laughs> okay, Only four okay. more episodes to go, and it's just, it just, just I'm distracting like, myself um, with How I Met Your Mother, which is like my go-to. I love that show, and I'm, I'm also rewatching Happy Endings again for like the I love that twelfth show. time. So I've started watching Our Flag Means Death, which is that new Taika Waititi show on HBO. Oh, how is that? It's pretty funny. Cool. Really? You have to go into a safe space after watching this show because it's just, it's just, it's bananas. It's bonkers. I was thinking about our conversation. I think today I was driving along and was thinking about what I said last time. It's just so scary because it's like true. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not scary if you just know it's fiction, even though it could be, you know, but oh, this is fiction. Then in your head, you're like, oh, it's fiction. But the fact that this is true, it's like so freaky. (laughs) And then I think, what was the other um, podcast we were, I was listening to, you guys were mentioning that, um, no, I was listening to the radio today, and they mentioned that Netflix series, like Your Neighbor, what the... It's like, oh, it's about, like Bad Neighbor or something? Yeah, I think Bad I've, heard, I've watched it. Oh, but Bad Roommate? Like, yes, roommate, yeah. yeah. Something, and so I had watched like one episode of that, and I had this like sweet little old grandma was like murdering her. I'm like, oh my God, like I can't live in... I, can't. I just put that on, I didn't put it, like the episode on, but just like the trailer part of it. And I was like, oh, she looks like Mrs. Doubtfire. And I was like, yeah. oh, I can't watch this right now. It's too late at night. Yeah, it was. It's, it's so freaky. So I turned that one off pretty quick. I was like, no, not the grandma. You're like a two in the afternoon kind of yeah. a watch for me. Yeah. <laughs> I'm such a little, I'm a little chicken. I can't I watch these scary shows. Like, but no. yet I'll turn on a murder documentary for like, you know, relaxation at the end of the night. Oh so, you know, gosh. I've got no. problems. Not yep. me. I've got problems. Delete your search history, Sheila. Oh, no, no. We, we do private search history now. Oh, yeah. I, learned, I learned that part. No, nobody, want, nobody wants to see mine between the weird things I've looked up for work. Yeah. yeah. So we will be back next week with episode three. And that one's called She's a Star Witness. So I guess we get the mm, answer okay. that uh, what's coming up. It would be the trial. And the picture of it is uh, is Joel talking to Pam on the stand. So that is definitely going to be an interesting, probably a very nuanced episode as well. We're probably going to learn a lot of little things along the way. We're really looking forward to that. If you could head over to wherever you get this podcast from, whatever platform that you listen, if you could rate, review, and subscribe to this podcast so you get notified when we drop new episodes, a five-star rating is greatly appreciated. It definitely helps move us up the charts and helps other people find the show as well thank you guys for listening this is steph 
This is Sheila. This is Colleen. Thank you for listening. This has been an original Pod Clubhouse production. Pod Clubhouse is a podcast network dedicated to encouraging collaboration among podcasters and friends to bring a fresh voice and diverse perspective on a wide array of content. Please visit and leave a comment for us at podclubhouse.com. Rate, review, and subscribe to our podcast feeds on Apple Podcasts. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook. You can find us at Pod Clubhouse. Our DMs are always open, and we'd love to hear from you. Uh...